him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Acts 2, 1 through 21. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we hear, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, <clears throat> today we're going to look at the book of Acts um, to follow last week's resurrection story with Jesus gone into heaven, right? And now Easter over is over. We can be tempted, I think, like the men and women in this story whom Jesus has left behind to fall into what I would describe as a spiritual gaze. 
to just internalize or personalize and press the faith into a tote-sized, inspirational, feel-good belief. Yet this book shows a people with a God intent on making and, making and impacting the world for all time's sake. First, we see this by God calling his people to make history. Secondly, by giving them power, giving his people power to make history. And finally, giving them a Lord who makes history. So at the beginning of this book, we see Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples for about 40 days after he's risen from the dead. And he's teaching them all sorts of things. And I am sure after 40 days of being with them, they are expecting that he is here to stay. To do all the things they thought he was saying or looking like he was saying he would do. It appeared that he was saying he was coming to take the Roman Empire out, to take the corrupt leaders down and, and be the second coming of King David and, and rule. And in cryptic response to their expectations, he tells them how this thing is going to happen, how his reign and rule was going to continue, as he says here in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And then, to their surprise, right, uh, Jesus floats up. Right? The, the proper word is ascended into heaven. The Bible says a cloud took him up, and they just stood there gazing, thinking, I'm sure, that's it. The Bible says they are gazing at the sky. And so I am figuring they are thinking, okay, Jesus, that was a nice trick. We know you can fly too, right? Okay, you can rise from the dead and fly. Now quit tripping and come on back, right? And then an angel shows up and asks them a question in verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, these two white-robed men were assuming are angels. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I'm sure the disciples are thinking, I know I would. Why are you asking why? You know, Jesus, the Lord resurrected, whom, whom we left to follow our, our lives to follow, he just went up into the sky, man, and we can't see him anymore. And I am not sure they get what Jesus' statement to them meant when he says in verse 7 and 8, right, that God has the times and the places, and he's going to determine how this whole thing works out, and now you are left to be my witnesses to all the world. Now, you and I can understand more clearly than they did, standing, looking up at the sky. Now that we have the whole story here before us, and right, Christianity has worked out through history, Jesus was saying 
that a saving of the whole world will come to all the earth, right? That, that the kingdom of God will continue through his people. Get this. Regular people. Regular people in real everyday spaces that heaven, God's divine stuff and plans will collide with, right? Will impact, will infiltrate and insert and assert itself in their lives and then in the places they travel or work or play or live. That the gospel and the religion defined by the message and ministry of Jesus Christ, the gospel will be sort of like the middle passage and message between now and eternity. But not ethereally, right? Not pie in the sky, not just spiritually, but really in them and us and there and here and everywhere, there is a here and a them, right? To drive not just history, small h, but capital H, his Story, what God wants to happen for the world, its cultures, its communities, its countries, and its people. And the Bible tells us that these disciples, about 120 or so, go to an upper room in a house. Now, this was like their version of an uh, Airbnb event space. Okay? Uh, and during this time of celebration in the city, uh, you know, what was going on in, in Jerusalem was a Jewish version of Harvest Fest. And everybody's in the city celebrating the first gathering of the har harvest and that, that it would be there that they would receive, as Jesus says, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And you know, I suspect that they were thinking, this is the second time this has happened. Jesus leaves us like he did when he died and was buried and came back three days later. So here we go again, right? You know, Jesus, we probably didn't learn it right the first time. Let's get it right this time. Thomas, don't ask about, don't be doubting him and don't ask to stick your fingers in his open scars and wounds and maybe you'll stay around. That had to be irritating. And no one, please don't call him a ghost this time. But the Bible says this happened. Chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, in the fellowship hall, right, in the event space. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. What Jesus promised had come, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God himself in spirit form, came into the house, came into the place, and then into the people in the place. 
the Lord was impacting real people again in a real place. Look at the description. One Bible translation says that the wind that came in, God the Holy Spirit, in that place, it shook the house with wind. The whole place began to move, and they spoke with other foreign languages. And that visible tongues that looked like fire or, 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 or fire spots, I don't know how to explain it, appeared to hover over each one of them. Something crazy was going on here. Here's the point. Something was not theirs or from them was being given and done and happening to them. Something was acting on them. And folks in the city heard a loud noise coming from the house and came running to see what was going on, what was happening. Real people again on earth were truly having a paranormal with not just any ghost of spirit like y'all see on the TLC network or whatever where they had the people with the green camera light and all of that. Not any ghost or spirit, but God the Holy Ghost and God the Holy Spirit. According to what Jesus tells them, the 120 were already followers of Jesus. But they did not have what I would describe as the God present in them power or life change. And I say life because the word wind in verse 2 of chapter 2 means breath as a new life. They did not have the life force necessary in them to be and do what it would take to act out for God in and for the world. But it required that God first act on and in them. To get this, have Jesus spiritually, not physically. And when I say spiritually, I want you to understand spiritually means truly and really. It's just spiritual. To have it in and with them through the Holy Spirit. To be a people who are used to bring God's supernatural power and presence and love to all kinds of different people in all kinds of different places. And you can imagine how confusing this must have been to folks who saw it. Imagine going to Freedom Park, Independence Park. Y'all just walk it. And under one of the shelters, all of a sudden, you hear a loud noise. Now, most of us, like the title of that new movie, would be like, nope. I hear a loud noise. I'm going the other way. Right? I, maybe it was a different kind of folk, in, like in a horror movie or something, right? What is that? No. Mm -mm. Who, who could that be now? What's happening? No, I'm not going looking. If I hear a loud noise, I'm running. Right? But... You know, sometimes, remember that time we saw fire smoke coming up? We were crazy. Was it Atlanta? And we, it was here, and we were like, man, what's burning? Let's go see. Like, something's burning. And we got there, and we almost got caught in the middle. Like, we got there almost before the fire truck, and it was kind of weird because we got all close to the fire. And then we were like, wow, a house is on fire, right? And then all of a sudden, like, we hear fire trucks, and we almost got trapped in the middle of the whole event. Run when you hear loud noise. Not to the noise, from the noise. But the Bible says they heard a noise. They were passing by again like the event shelter. There was a cookout going on. And all of a sudden, people start just 
speaking foreign languages in different ways and talking about God. Could imagine. I remember the Jews are from all over the city, right? All over the Jews from all over that part of the world were in the city that way. And my man in verse 13 tries to come up with a reasonable explanation. This is Harvest Fest. So the false Jesus made it Oktoberfest too early. Right? Look at what he says in verse 13 of chapter 2. He says this. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they are just drunk. That's all. I would think that, right? They drank at these events, right? And after it was over towards the end of the day, they would drink a little bit more. And so it could be assumed that they opened the Harvest Fest wine early, right? You know what the old school term for liquor or alcohol is? Anybody know? What's it called? Spirits. And it fits here. Because right? being filled with the Spirit means you have taken in and taken a dive and been poured into by God. That you have, he used the term, drowned. Like being filled by the overflow. Your, your soul has sucked in everything God was pouring. It means that your mind, soul, and processing and how you see things and have, and have been and how you see things and live have been overridden with heaven's mentality. That God has taken permanent spiritual residence and space in you. That is a big person in a small space. And I don't have time to do a whole lot of explanation, but let me just uh, uh, shrink it down this way. The gift of the Holy Spirit is and happens to all believers in Jesus from that point forward. This chapter is just an explicit explanation and the moment of the Holy Spirit's coming into faith history. Right? You know what that means about faith and living it out in real time and space? Sometimes we drift from this. That's why I'm kind of bringing it back to the paranormal space for us a little bit. Because you get up in the mirror, you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you just see a regular old you, right? You come to church, I see you. I just see regular you, right? You go to work, I just see regular you. But you know what it means? That, that you don't come to God and then go out to change and be changed in the world. No, this is saying God, the Holy Spirit, has come into those who claim to be believers and changes them and calls them from them outward from the inside out. There is like, I don't know if you know it, you don't always recognize it, it's not always very dramatic. Some days it feels more dramatic and I can hear it, I can feel it as they say, and I can experience God and, and I, I can sense that he's talking to my spirit and, and, and speaking to my soul on the inside. You know what it's like? There is a continual church service going on all the time in the hearts of believers. Like what goes on in here is happening in here in a very real way. There's a sermon being preached to your heart, right? You know what the problem is? And we talked about this. We talked about spiritual disciplines. I don't think we actually slow down enough and actually sit to hear the Holy Spirit preaching and teaching and speaking to us in here. It is the Lord at work 
and regular people that brings about supernatural change on earth. It is the Holy Spirit like he did in that house that day, disturbing and shaking the very foundations of our hearts and souls and turning our lives upside down and inside outward. And some of you, not all, may have had experience at conversion. Some of y'all had some crazy conversion experiences, right? I like saying that, 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 that my, my favorite conversion experience was, was Mike Higgins, in, in a pastor in St. Louis, Missouri. He said he was out stealing cars because that's what he did in St. Louis when he was young. And he said he was running from the police after ditching a car and he jumped into a dumpster. And in that dumpster, God spoke to him and said, you're coming home with me. You saved, you mine. And he got out that dumpster. He came to Christ and became a pastor. Man, don't you wish we all had a dumpster testimony? But some of you have experienced people thinking you're kind of crazy. That you are believing and seeing things that, like in this passage, are not clear to all. That all don't see. I, I think we've become so syncretized with the world. And, and I think we've so... Um, try to, our faith is so syncretized to what it means to be, for so long, for what it means to be a citizen in this country, right? That, and, and this is the, the issue sometimes with, with aligning a, a nation and a national morality or, or, or constitution, a way of thinking with the Bible, right? Because what is going on with you, believers, you have lost your mind. Because God has found you. Do you understand you are not thinking and acting in basic human, the basic human's ability to rationale things? When's the last time you saw Jesus? Like with your own eyes. Now, I don't want to hear now. Let's not, this ain't open mic. I saw him last night. Okay, okay. But when's the last time you touched him? Physically, why do you believe? Are you drunk? Are you, an, uh, are you hallucinating? You're not hallucinating. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart. That's why you crazy enough to believe in this stuff. That's why when you look at the Word of God, it opens up and it speaks truth to you. That's why some of you come and you worship and praising God. But what's going on with you? I can see if you're at a Kanye concert. Yeah. But you in here. What's happened to you? Here's the crazy thing. It's not your doing. It happened to you. It happened upon you. It was, as the book says, in upon you, right? It is because you are literally possessed, but not like those possession movies, right? The possession of so-and-so, right? But, but 
Jesus says in verse 8 of chapter 1 that you are my witnesses, right? And then Paul uses the son, I mean, not Paul, Peter. Paul ain't come on the scene yet. Peter used the sons and daughters language in verse 17 of chapter 2. You are possessed, owned by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, affected by the power of God. Why? Because you are the possession of God. You are his witnesses. You are his people. You are his sons and daughters. And the inherited gift of being born again and born into the family of God is God the Holy Spirit living in and with you. Like y'all like to say, it runs in the family. And I admit, sometimes that can be sickening and a real drag. <laughs> Look, I got a million things I really want to do my way. I want to see things like everybody else. I want to be regular and normal. It means believers are not like all the other kids. Yes, you and I have to live and play like everyone else on the same playground, but now as those filled with the Holy Spirit, you are forever witnesses and recipients and now in the world to experience and not now in the world to experience and enjoy the benefits of being children of God. But guess what? Also to be called and sent to share and give and live the message of God's holy love for sinners because believers have seen it and are living whether they have some extraordinary explosive feeling or not, but they are experiencing God, the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why. We, I do it too. Forget. We walk around and forget. And I mean, we got to be reminded or we try to pretend or we try to underact or overact or undersell what is going on in you. When the Holy Spirit at work in you is designed to not only reveal more and more of God to you, Personally, but here's the hard part. The Holy Spirit comes, just like he did his people there, to expose you and me as a way of exposing the person and acts of God for the good of others. There is nothing private about being a believer. There's no private school for believers. We live in the public. It is intended to be, but the Bible says the Spirit caused a loud noise in a crowded city. And then it exposed the spiritual life of those followers of Christ, which at first caused all kind of demoralizing and wrong things to be made, about, made up about them. But these people recognized these believers speaking the wonders of God in their languages. Like people said, wait, wait a minute, they kind of crazy. They look kind of, I know them. That's so-and-so that works at the market. Those are fishermen at the fish market. What are they doing? But yet they're talking and saying things about God in my native language. God intended to use the spiritually overdriven life of these believers, as Jesus said to speak with, to speak to, to speak for the whole world everywhere. That, that your calling as believers is relational, not just personal. It, it's, it's relative, right? It's, it's relative, let me say, and applicable to all people anywhere and everywhere. So God's power, God's spirit is acting and happening wherever and whoever believers are. You know, we used to have this... Uh, <laughs> At the time, it was real cool. 
They're called what we kind of envision as our outreach, as the Christ Central Church virus, but we can't use virus right now. But don't you know that the genius of virus is biblical? Right? So we used to, I used to say when I taught new members class, when the church was a little smaller, um, we, we, I would say like, hey, look, we are not going to be the church, right, that may show up in the same place all together with the matching T-shirts and khaki pants, Right? So it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's Christ Central doing that outreach event. You're not going to see that necessarily, right? We're a diverse congregation. This was something we really liked. We liked that we had people living all over the city in different cultures and different places and different because we, we realized that we were going to be viral in the city, right? And, 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 and what's interesting about it is, you know, we won't put all our efforts into one week, right? We're, we're, oh, this is the week we're really going to show that we love the city, right? No. It is talking about what the, Bible, what the God, the Holy Spirit is saying, that in each one of us, every single day we go out, we are representative of what God has done and will do in the lives of a broken community and broken people. Because the Holy Spirit never leaves you. It doesn't come on you when you put the Christ Central Church shirt on and then go out there and do something like for everybody to see. No, that's not what happens. It's always with you. You are never not a believer filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are ne there is never a day Pentecost is not happening in your heart in some way, form, or fashion, even if God is just speaking to your own heart to hold you and keep you in the faith. We happen on the city, hopefully, every day and everywhere you exist. God is acting through you and in you believers all the time, everywhere and anywhere, with whoever you may be in and whatever role in this world you play. God's power at work looks like you. What? Getting up and not just being but the better, better word is engaging this world in regular work and play activities. So you do regular things, but supernatural happenings could be going on wherever you're doing the regular things. The act shuns of believers as regular women and children and infants is God making history at the job or on the playground, at the board meeting or at the bar, the gym or at the grocery store. There is not any place that he can't make shake and rattle and roll right with and, and through the most unassuming of you. Now, this sermon is not about the actual how and techniques of being a witness. How can I be a witness on my job, right? That's why we have Charlotte Fellows Program. I'm glad they went today. It's one kind of program. We got the center, you know, Amari's working with the Center for Faith and, and Works, and it's teaching young people, how do you live as Holy Spirit-filled believers in the everyday workplace and world that God has put you? But it's amazing that just the fact that your very being is infused with a not-so-easily-seen or sense of history and space-changing message and person is the thing this passage is talking about. Look at what Jesus says here in verse 1, in verse 8 again. He says, But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. 
first here locally, then all abroad, right? Do you know what the word for power, the Greek word is? Dunamis. And it simply means this, dynamite, explosive, dynamic. How can I put it? Kaboom, right? And it links well with the tongues of fire because God has given all the world and all of his people. I think everybody kind of has this fuse, this, this wick. He is in many, peop- in many places and people, he's doused them with the accelerant of his grace and they are ready sometimes without knowing him. And God comes through with his people who are just chilling sometimes, just being themselves in a place as church to, to a people in, in a place. No one sees it about to happen even. God's people and kaboom, change and challenge and redemption and hope and light and healing and miracles. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit manifest in you and show up in the lives of other people in many places. As verse 6 says, people were amazed and astonished by what? Not just with the power of tongue speaking, but look at verse 8 again in chapter 2. It says this, And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. I'm not reading all those. People from all over the place. (laughs) Right? Jumping down to verse 11. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. And Peter, the Bible says in verse 14, steps forward and explains. Then Peter stepped forward with the disciples, with the 11 other apostles, and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, listen. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people, they're not drunk. As some of you are assuming, 9 o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Now for seven, right? That's what kind of... Okay, but no, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders right? In the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arise. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What Peter is saying to them and to us is that this whole Christian thing is about a Lord and God of salvation coming with a plan and person of salvation for the world. And here is the plan. He will use sons and daughters. That's God-born descendants who, who, who re, reborn, who, who receive power to go into the world so that by this one message, the word is prophesied to tell, to preach, to proclaim, to display, to enact, to let the word and truth of God be known, to be as Jesus told them before he left to be witnesses, to tell what they have heard from the Lord himself so that from this group, this, this one group of people, the whole world, every kind of person in every kind of situation of every kind of prior belief can be made right from every wrong way 
they have ever been treated or treated themselves or treated others. Not only that, but he is confronting and seeking change in a broken world and all of its institutions and symptoms and systems. What Jesus started, you know, when they said, Lord, are you now going to restore your kingdom? Are you now going to turn things over? Are you now going to make everything wrong right? He says, not in the way you think. Through you. My power, my plan, my message. Through my people. But Jesus started, he's now continuing. Do you know that? He's not gone. He has come through his Holy Spirit now. He is continuing his ministry. He's saving the world. He's freeing all kinds of people from their brokenness. You've seen it. You've experienced it. He's conquering through his sons and daughters by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and them to share, to witness that this is how he has chosen to act. Now, I know I wish he had chosen a different way. When I look at myself and the way I act and the way I don't always, not always feeling Jesus and feeling God and feeling all the Bible stuff and go preach the gospel and be a witness, I don't feel like that all the time. Primarily because I look at my own life and I'm thinking, please. But this is how Jesus has chosen to act. I don't know why. Wasn't there an easier way? Maybe he could have just used holy people. All the good people, not me, and certainly not some of you, right? This is how he's going to bring a conclusion and crest the broken history of the world. What we're doing is actually sort of like we're, we're, on, we're, we're working and, and laying like a pavement and, and, and we're ushering in the second coming of the Lord. That's what you're doing. That's what Jesus is laying down through your life. You are a central part of the eschaton. And yes, you are his right? Yes, you the church and churches and church universal are the sons and daughters of the advent of the world history and history itself. You are the carriers and receivers of prophecy of God's truth. And it says here that even male and female servants are slaves too in verse 18. What is he saying? Even the most raggedy. And trust me, we raggedy Christians in here. We raggedy believers not the most trusted, not the smartest, not the most degreed, not the most moral, not the most polished and, and seminary trained and proper and all or, or propped up, not blue blood believers who've always walked with the Lord, who don't know, you know, not those who know all the right Christian things to say, who don't, who know all the Bible verse by verse. He's using us that barely make it to church, barely making it to faith, barely making it in life, barely making it in our marriages. Some of you have the most jaded background and mistake-laden and, and rap sheet having, not sure about God all the time. You don't know if you feel like a Christian tomorrow or not. Surprise! The Spirit of God has been and will be poured upon and in you too. Reminds me of the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, I know, Lord of the Rings is old. I know. Thank you, my Gen Xers. That's our show. Y'all might have Marvel. We got Lord of the Rings. We even got a little Marvel. Yeah, because all the Marvel heroes like our age. Really. <laughs> Think about it. 
How old is Tony Stark? 50. How old is Captain? Well, Captain America, real old. T'Challa, he's 50. He a little younger, but he ain't 29. Can't be king at 29. We the ring folk. We, we Frodo's. We elves and dwarfs. And golems. You ain't Wonder Woman. We're jaded Catwoman. We're Robin. who have been called and filled as carriers of eternal life. Yes, you young people, teenagers, college students too, who have been embraced and called and accepted Jesus as Lord, are sons and daughters of and in the plan of divine, the divine destiny of all humanity. This is some serious stuff God has gotten you into. But there will be salvation, not because of theme or talent or advertisement or, or media stuff. His plan of salvation all falls on the person of salvation. So here's where the pressure is off of you. We have all this great stuff here that Peter repeats from the book of Joel. And yes, it may be assumed that the person in the plan of salvation at this point is the third person of Trinity, the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus made the promise of the Holy Spirit back before he died and rose again, he said that God, the Holy Spirit, would not testify or speak or seek to bring attention to his person, but would come to lead and bring attention to Jesus and what he did. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit by God himself, end of all ends with what? Look at verse 21 as we finish this up. It says this. Here's the conclusion of the matter. All of this crazy stuff that happens. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I like this sentence. Since there will be prophecy and moon turned to blood and signs and wonders and miracles, but it shall come to pass. Let me say that again. It shall come to pass. It shall be. It is the way it is. In other words, all of this for this reason, all we are called to do and be, that history's in and out falls on this. This is the great hook of life. This is the base and booming beat behind it all is this, that who? Everyone who calls upon the one name of Jesus shall be saved. a living Lord, a resurrected, ascended slave, Savior. I don't know whether you knew what that, know what that means, but the name through relationship with him has been given to us to write, to proclaim, to let people know. And like the Holy Spirit, as he lives in his people and comes into hearts and souls and lives of his people who come to Christ, a sign of being filled is that the conversation and the focus stops being on you. Because so much of what I've said today is about our limitations. It's not about you. It truly is you. God has truly chosen you 
God has truly made relationship with you. You have truly been born again. You truly are the sons and daughters talked about in Joel. Yes, you are. But actually, in the end, it is not about you. It's about God's ability to use you. So go. Get up in the morning. Spend some time. Listen to God, the Holy Spirit, anew. And, and if you can't, like, sometimes it's hard to listen. You kind of need a trailhead. Do you know what the trailhead is? Like, that sometimes you get to, when you get to a trailhead, you got the little sign. kind of shows you where it's going, right? It tells you if it's too hard, if it's easy. gives you all that kind of stuff. You know what the trailhead for me sometimes is? It's just opening up a scripture or two. And just being quiet and listening. And then kind of going in faith that today will be greater than you. That God's at work greater than what you could see or do for yourself or for anyone else. And we walk in that greatness. I'm not talking about personal greatness. This ain't, this ain't uh, TED Talk where I'm going to give you some kind of thing to make you feel better about yourself. But you walk in the greatness of the Holy Spirit. You walk in union with Jesus Christ. Do you know that? So wherever you go, there is a church service happening. Now we can talk more. You, know, you could actually have lunch with, with Brother Amari over here. Take him out. Buy him a meal, right? And let him talk to you about this whole works and faith and how all this works, you know. Because sometimes we, we don't need to bring the assault Bible to work, right? That big black one. We don't always need that. Right? Sometimes we are called to sit and listen. Sometimes we're called to actually do our work. Sometimes we're actually called to do our work like we care. Not just because we like it. Right? Oh, I really found what God has for me because it checks all the boxes and I love it. No, <laughs> I don't see that in the Bible. It actually says slaves be obedient to your masters, right? Now we know historically all that means. Be careful with that language. But it means, guess what? You like being obedient to God and doing your job, whether it feels good or matches up all the little checks. <laughs> See, I'm getting into another sermon about work. It's not about you. It's about God. So stop the gazing. Look ahead and look out for the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. When we read these stories and just go through these descriptions and unpack these scriptures, it just seems so otherworldly. But the otherworldly is actually happening us in our world. Thank you, not only for the alien righteousness of Jesus Christ, but the alien experience that we have by just being taken over by the Holy Spirit. Fill your people. Let them know they're filled. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you and hear all this stuff and it may be thinking, what does all this mean? 
For you who don't know, Lord, please, for those who don't know, rather, let them know this means they can call on the name of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will come and convince and change their lives. We thank you for your power and your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.